0: Welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, The Last Flight of the Silver Dollar. And I'm your host, Rick Stone. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the Foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. If you're hearing this preview of No Home for Heroes on YouTube or Audio Burst, we invite you to listen to the complete podcast on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast or streaming platform you prefer. Today's episode of No Home for Heroes is the story of a World War II bomber given the name Silver Dollar its fateful end, and finding all of the missing crew members who rode it into battle over the skies of Germany, and in the end, even one more mystery that still remains. Stay tuned while we tell you how we learned an incredible tale of heroism that had never been told before, and how we interviewed a witness to the crash of the silver dollar after over 67 years, and why no one had ever heard his story. Well, here's a spoiler alert. This Last Flight of the Silver Dollar is our first two-part episode. It's just too big of a story to fit into one podcast. So hang on while we get into part one of The Last Flight of the Silver Dollar. And By the way, a special thanks to our foundation's associate, Bernard, who helped turn my Texas accent into a well, reasonable pronunciation of the German town's mission mentioned in today's broadcast. By the way, I never know whether it's Bernard or Bernhard. (laughs) Either way, friend, thanks for the great work and your support. All of us here at the Foundation want to dedicate this episode to our loyal listeners in Omaha, Nebraska, where the silver dollar was built, and to those Rosie the Riveters in the Martin Aircraft Factory there, whose craftsmanship would enable the silver dollar to stay airborne long enough for lives to be saved and heroes to be made. And now, on with our show. Today's episode is from case number 0151 of the investigative case files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation, which was completed on February 18, 2015. But the case investigation really started long before that, in July 2011, when I was tasked, as a member of the Department of Defense, with a simple job of trying to tie up some loose historical ends to support a recovery mission that was being maintained in Germany by the Joint POW-MIA Accounting Command. Little did I know that my investigation would answer long elusive questions and also stir up a mystery that remains to this day. Stay tuned while we tell you the story of one airplane shot down over Germany, its missing crew, and, for the first time, learn of the unbelievable heroism of the pilot and the co-pilot in the last moments of their lives. We need to warn you that today's episode is just part one of a two-part story. Facts and conclusions of this intriguing case are just too many to cram into a single episode. And there's still one remaining mystery about the case that deserves more attention than we can include given the time limits of a single podcast. Don't worry, we won't keep you hanging for long. (laughs) Soon, Ira, soon. The silver dollar was an airplane. Well, not just any airplane. It was a B-26C model, known as the Marauder. The B-26C was the designation given to a version of a B-26 bomber, manufactured at a new factory built by the government for the Martin Aircraft Company at Omaha, Nebraska. The plant in Omaha was built at Fort Crook, which is now called Offutt Air Force Base, where, ironically, the Defense POW-MIA Accounting Agency has one of its laboratories. The factory was leased to the Martin Aircraft Company for the manufacturing specifically of the B-26 Marauder. The plant was formally turned over to Martin on January 1, 1st, 1942. The B-26C had initially been ordered on June 28, 1941. However, there were inevitable delays in bringing such a massive production effort to full fruition. And it was not until August of 1942 that the very first Omaha-built B-26C was ready for flight. The B-26C was essentially identical to the Baltimore-built B-26B model and followed more or less the same evolution during its production lifetime. However, all B-26Cs were built with a new, larger wing. The wingspan was increased to 712 feet and the wing area rose to 713 square feet. A large vertical tail was also fitted. The larger wing and tail assembly, plus the additional armament and armor, increased the weight by about 1,500 pounds. The top speed at 15,000 feet dropped to 282 miles per hour, and it had a cruising speed of about 214 miles per hour. The waist gun doors were enlarged in the C model and moved aft to improve the field of fire. The B-26C model incorporated a thicker grip on the control wheels, improvements in the hydraulic and electrical systems, and additional emergency systems. A ring and bead sight for the package guns was provided. The engine fire extinguisher was reinstated as standard equipment. The aft bomb bay was finally sealed up from its variant forward, and in the middle of the production run, the forward-firing 50 caliber machine gun in the nose was taken out. A total of 1,210 B-26Cs were built at Omaha, Nebraska. The rosy riveters there worked tirelessly day and night. The last B-26C was delivered in April 1944. After that, the Martin Omaha plant switched over to the manufacture of the huge B-29 Superfortress Bomber. The specific B-26C Marauder in our case today was aircraft number 42-107671 and it was nicknamed the Silver Dollar. The huge scripted name Silver Dollar was painted on the nose above the logo of a large U.S. Morgan dollar coin. Lady Liberty depicted on the nose art of the coin was given an added set of wings to her hairband which, I suppose, was to help keep the, the big bomber in the air. As you will hear in our stories, it may have actually helped. The aircraft was attached to the 9th Air Force 391st Bomb Group, 575th Squadron. The logo of the 575th Squadron was that of the cartoon character Bugs Bunny. Bugs was leisurely reclined on a huge red bomb while munching a carrot nonchalantly, on the bomb's way down through the clouds. Two days before Christmas, on the 23rd of December 1944, the Silver Dollar was on a bombing mission to attack a railroad bridge in Rvler, Germany, and failed to return to base. And there, our story really begins. During December 1944, most of Western Europe and England experienced extremely severe weather. These winter weather conditions grounded most Allied air units. At the same time, the German army began its last great offensive of the war. This action is known as the Battle of the Bulge. The weather prevented the Allies from using their air power to oppose the offensive for approximately 10 days. Beginning a few days before Christmas, the weather slowly began to clear, and massive Allied air attacks began. In support of the Allied efforts, the 391st Bombardment Group incurred the greatest single-day loss in an attack on the railroad viaduct at Arweiler, Germany, on 23 December 1944. This target was defended by an estimated 50 to 75 German FW-190 and ME-109 fighter aircraft. Sixteen B-26 bombers failed to return to base after the attack. One of these was the Silver Dollar. First Lieutenant John J. Adair was the navigator and bombardier on board the Silver Dollar. He was the only survivor from the bomber's six-man crew. Lt. Adair reported his airplane hit by enemy fire after the second bomb run on the primary target. 1st Lt. Adair opened the bomb bay hatch and observed the bomb bay totally engulfed with fire. Lt. Adair hooked up his parachute, left his navigator station, and moved to the cockpit area between 1st Lt. James F. Gatlin, the pilot, and 2nd Lt. Stephen V. Bees, the co-pilot. Lieutenant Adair leaned down and removed one of First Lieutenant Gatlin's earphones and told him about the fire. At this point, Second Lieutenant Beesis heard Lieutenant Adair, turned around to see the navigator compartment on fire, and lowered the landing gear to allow for a bailout from the nose area of the airplane. Exiting through a small hatch in the nose landing gear opening was an extremely difficult, and based on my personal observation, a very tight procedure. It was certainly not recommended in the emergency bailout plan for the B-26. But, as we often learn on history's military mysteries, sometimes the best of plans go awry. Lieutenant Gatlin began ringing the bell to signal the crew to bail out. Lieutenant Adair climbed down to the open nose wheel doors and successfully bailed out. Prior to leaving the aircraft, Lieutenant Adair observed 1st Lieutenant Gatlin seated in the pilot seat and 2nd Lieutenant Beesis standing between the pilot and the co-pilot's seat. Lieutenant Adair expected Lieutenant Beesis to follow through this hatch down into the nose area and exit the airplane out the open nose wheel doors. 1st Lieutenant John A. Garside who was the bombardier on the lead aircraft in the formation, noticed the Silver Dollar with its left engine on fire and its right engine feathered. He did not see any parachutes leave the aircraft, but he reported that he thought the aircraft position indicated that the crew was bailing out. Lieutenant Garside last saw the Silver Dollar flying approximately three miles each east of Kirchweiler, Germany. Major Herschel B. Harkins was the pilot of the lead bomber on the flight, including the Silver Dollar. He noticed the Silver Dollar flying to the left of his own aircraft, and he noticed that it had its wheels down. One engine was not operating, and the other engine was on fire. Major Harkins saw only one parachute deploy from the Silver Dollar. Lieutenant Adair did not actually see any of the other crew members bail out. To the the best of his knowledge, Lt. Adair thought he was the first to jump, but as we stated before, he felt like Lt. Besis was going to immediately follow him out through the nose wheel area. Lt. Adair provided no direct knowledge of the location of tail gunner Staff Sergeant Milton Cowart, Engineer Staff Sergeant William Weisker, or Radio Operator Staff Sergeant Joe Sanchez. Whose flight stations would normally have been in the rear of the airplane. The primary bailout locations for the three staff sergeants would normally be through the bomb bay area, but that was where the fire was located. The bailout procedures described in the B-26's training manual obviously did not envision a fire in the bomb bay, where all the crew members were supposed to exit the airplane in case of emergency. Prior to evacuating the airplane, Lieutenant Adair assumed that Staff Sergeant Sanchez was, quote, at his station at the waist guns, that Staff Sergeant Weisker was, quote, at his station in the upper turret, and that Staff Sergeant Cowart was at his station at the tail guns. First Lieutenant Adair's parachute caught in the forest and stopped six feet above the ground. He was unable to release himself from the harness due to burns and other injuries on both hands. While hanging in his harness, he heard small arms fire. Lieutenant Adair hung there for a half hour before a German civilian and a member of the German army helped him down and took him prisoner. Lieutenant Adair never saw or heard from any members of his crew again. Lt. Adair returned to Allied military control at the end of the war. He then spoke with a co-pilot from another aircraft in his group, 1st Lt. A.P. Shiro, who had, ironically, at one time been the co-pilot of the Silver Dollar before being transferred to another aircraft. On the date of the shootdown, 1st Lt. Shiro was flying to the side of the Silver Dollar. Lt. Shiro told 1st Lt. Adair that he saw six individuals bail out of the Silver Dollar before the aircraft went into a shallow dive. First Lieutenant Shiro admitted that he did not see the Silver Dollar crash. During questioning about the whereabouts of his five missing crewmates after the war, Lieutenant Adair was consistent and adamant that each one of his crewmates was, quote, disposed of by SS troops, the Hitler Youth or German civilians, end quote. Although he provided no direct knowledge of facts to support his belief, other than, as we reported, he heard the sound of small-arms fire. So, there you have it. A burning airplane with a crew of six, last seen gliding down toward enemy territory. Only one crew member recovered after the war from a German POW camp, with an incredible tale of his own survival and his unshakable belief about what happened to the other five missing crew members of the Silver Dollar. But, and there's always a but in history's military mysteries, what actually happened to the missing five, Lieutenants Gatlin and Beesus, and Staff Sergeants Weisker, Sanchez, and Cowart? Will our investigation reveal the true facts regarding these five MIAs? Or will we simply create even more mysteries to be solved? Well, tune in next week to No Home for Heroes episode 35 for the exciting conclusion of part two of The Last Flight of the Silver Dollar. Thank you for listening to this episode of No Home for Heroes. We hope you enjoyed today's production and we invite you to check out our other episodes. You can now subscribe To listen free on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you like to listen to podcasts. Don't forget to tune in every Saturday when we'll post a new episode of History's Military Mysteries Missing in Action. Episodes of No Home for Heroes are produced from the actual investigative case files of the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation, dedicated to providing information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing american service women. As always, we greatly appreciate your comments and a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. You sure don't want to miss our next episode with another true story about one of our missing american heroes, or in this case, an entire crew of missing american heroes. Tune in to hear it for yourself next week for our exciting conclusion featuring part two of the last flight of the silver dollar on no home for heroes until next time be careful be safe and wishing you fair winds and following seas i'm your host rick stone reminding you that poor is the nation that has no heroes but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them